think it's looking good. Can you hear me now? Are we live? No, not yet. No? Okay. We're still like free show. Hello. You got me? I hear you. I hear you. What's up, boys? What's up, man? What's up, Darren? Just chilling. Finally making this happen. He's drinking beer, I'm drinking coffee, you know. Oh. Best of both worlds. <laughs> Feel left out. Isn't yeah. it morning there for you guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're starting, you're ending. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's pretty late here. It's beer o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wish I had a beer right now too. <laughs> I feel left out. I could do it with a whiskey. I mean, it's not like I'm doing anything else today, so. <laughs> Not like we're all doing anything yeah. else. Are you, are you guys uh, wanting to test anything? I'm. We're good on our end. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good too. Yeah. Awesome. And we're we're just rolling right now. This is our first international yeah. podcast, so we're are, we are excited to uh, test the limits of this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, let's start like uh. What like what's your background and everything like that? Like let's, because we're I'm Florida's fitness podcast. Like this is like what we try to do. We try to I want to hear like other people's stories and how they got into fitness and like their strength background in sports and everything like that. So um, we'll start we're right there. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, awesome. So uh, my background, um, I was professional um, alcoholic and. <laughs> Uh, and drug user okay. uh, in my teenage years because I came from a um, broken home. Um, I came from domestic violence and, and all that type of thing. And my stepfather, who who brought me up, ended up dying in jail and all that type of thing. So uh, I ended up getting into drugs and alcohol pretty heavy as a teenager. And then at the age of about 19, 20, I, uh, I watched, um, I was drunk and I was watching Pumping Iron. Nice. And... And my friends were saying, oh, that's gay, it's stupid, and all that sort of thing. And I was just like, man, that's awesome. And the next day, I was drinking and eating creatine and, and, and alcohol and, and pumping weights in my, in my bedroom and, and, just, and vomiting and getting drunk and then more weights. And, and one thing led to another, I ended up in a gym. And then um, at the 21, 22 mark, someone said, you've got to compete. I'm like, in what? And then... They said, you know, bodybuilding, and then I had my first competition in 2004. I didn't even place, stood on the stage, stood, went off, whatever. And then uh, one Mr. Tasmania in 2006, uh, Mr. Australia in 2006 as well. So Mr. Tasmania, Mr. Australia, and then went to Germany to the Mr. Universe and got fifth. That's awesome. Like, I've always said, like, like struggle, struggle breeds, like, greatness. And, like, having those hard times in your life, they ultimately make you the person you are. And like, I've had my own struggles. Like I, like my earliest memories, like I had, uh, my biological father was never in my life. And uh, he pretty, pretty much walked out on me and wow. my, my family when I was three. And uh, I've always had, I always grew up like very angry. And- um, You had a real chip on your shoulder. I, I had like the biggest chip on my shoulder. And the only way wow. for me, cause like, I went for like a couple of years where I just didn't talk to anyone. 
And the only way my mom could get me to interact with other people and to have an outlet was through sports. So um, I started I started playing basketball. It was my first year I sucked, and then after that I had to learn how where like if I want to be good at something I really have to work at it. So I practiced like every Real day. Real quick, who do, you, who do you go for? Who do I go for in basketball? Yeah. Uh, I don't watch professional sports anymore, but we'll we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but uh, damn, yeah, yeah, I, I I I have this huge big deal with professional sports. Like I I just don't like I just don't like it sure. anymore. But um, we'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but growing up, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from New York, so like I was a Knicks fan, and then being a '90s kid, I was a Michael huge Michael Jordan fan. Same. And um, I really Same. like Michael Jordan was like basically my idol from like three to like 10 years old. And um, so I, I really got into basketball, uh, that which led me into uh, football, because all my friends were playing football at the time, American football. And um, that was like the first time where I felt like, oh, I could hit somebody and not get in trouble. And like, you Love know, it. yeah, so like I, I really got into that. And obviously in my first year I was, you know, I didn't know anything. I knew like probably like two positions and you know, I had to really work at what I needed to do. And thankfully, my, my stepfather was a football coach, so I kind of learned a lot from him. And um, which, after that, kind of led me. I played like multiple sports during that time, which led me to uh, swimming. And um, my mom was a was a swimmer. She was a state state level swimmer. And then I got into swimming shortly after. And, I swam competitively from, you know, the age of eight to all the way through college, and uh, made it to like the national level. Qualified for Olympic trials two times. Qualified for World Champ trials and got a scholarship to Florida State University. And then basically after that, I uh, started lifting. And it was like a whole like 15 years of my life where my sole purpose was of competing was one to like be able to express myself because I was so angry and hostile towards pretty much everyone in my life. And then uh, kind of break me out of my shell and be able to express myself, so. How old are you, bro? I'm 28. Yeah, cool. How old are you, Darren? 39. No, what? No way. Old enough to know better. <laughs> <laughs> you would think. We're still learning though. I'm 36. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I guess I'm like, a lot closer to you in background as far as like getting into the fitness world. Um, sure. For me, it was more like I I was more of a nerd in high school, so I I my parents thought I got into drugs, but I never did the stuff. Yeah. But they like hammered me hard because I grew up in a traditionally Filipino home, traditionally Filipino home back in uh, Los Angeles, and so. I just got the weight of that. But for the most part, I just wanted to go out and skate, play my guitar. It's just nothing exciting there. And uh, it wasn't until I really, after, after I got out of the Air Force, where I was like, well, uh, I need to stay healthy because if I ever get hurt, I'm gonna end up in the hospital. I don't have any money, so I should probably start working out. And that's how that all kind of started for me. And I develop more of an appreciation for fitness and sports so it's cool that we all kind of came at this in like different ways like yeah, for you it was paths. like a path out of being a junkie basically 
Sure. And you know, we built, yeah, I, I think it's like awesome. Like you know, like I said before, like I, I always felt struggle breeds greatness, and you know, those hard times, you know, shape us, mold us into you know better things. And like we all got into sports differently. Like my brother had a totally different background than I did, um, even though we kind of grew up. We we're only three years apart, and um, he got to sports mostly because I, I pushed him into it. And I was like, listen, like you're gonna, <laughs> I became such a good athlete, like you're you're gonna have to do something with me. So, and um, I kind of shoved him into it, and he actually ended up loving it. So, um, yeah, yeah. I love it. I, I love that we've um, that we can talk from one side of the world to the other. Yeah about coming from different places to the same place. Well, how'd you, and that is uh, health and fitness. How'd you expand from, because uh, you've got a lot of stuff going on. You did, I think you did some coaching when you did your your uh, your physique training, right? I think after that you started coaching and training people. I became a personal trainer yeah. after I finished up with bodybuilding. So I stopped bodybuilding in 2007 okay. <laughs> after seven years of training and competing. And I, and I did that because of just the steroids, you know, and the steroids were becoming too much. And, and when I got to 2007, uh, I was told that I had to triple my, my use and that sort of thing. And I was just like, I'm out. So on the way home from Germany on the plane, I decided to quit. Uh, and when I got back, I found it really hard to quit because, um, you know, the way you feel when you use anabolic steroids is like superhuman, like yeah. Superman. So. I'm going back to normal and, and I'm transitioning from that superhuman to, to normal and that's when I picked up Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and um, got off the steroids and, and started out as a white belt in 2008. Uh, it's now 2020, I'm a black belt uh, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu now and run my own academy but uh, and also have a personal training studio uh, so that continues. Um, Look, man, I just think the pursuit of health and fitness is lifelong, and I think that uh, once you come to kind of an end of one era, you need to start another. I don't, uh, I never had a vision in my mind that I would be bodybuilding my entire life. Um, I think that everything is cyclic, everything comes in cycles, and we need to trial everything. You need to do, um, need to try every sport, not just get uh, headstrong into one uh, athletic pursuit. Uh, I think it becomes stale. I think we be, uh, it's it's very common to become bitter. Yeah. Uh, and our sports and our pursuits become jobs. I think we need to keep that zest in ourselves. And once we reach a certain peak, it doesn't have to be the top, but we can be anywhere at our top and we compete against ourselves. Once we once we reach that, we need to move on or shake it up within what we're doing. And that's where, um, that's that's where I certainly am, am, am from in the mindset. I'm thinking about doing yoga soon, you know? Yeah. And, um, I'm a muscled guy, and, and that's going to be a huge step outside my comfort zone to be doing yoga. But I can't wait <laughs> for that type of thing. And obviously, if you've seen my, um, if you've seen anything on my social media, I'm studying Wim Hof. I'm studying the breathing, and yeah. um, we, we talked about that earlier. You know, sure, and, and and even getting in the ocean for me, I'm am fearful of the of the ocean, but I'm in there. That's another thing I'll talk about later. But my fears, but uh, I think that we need to to pursue and taste and try everything. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, uh, like a little bit more about our background. Like, I've always been like a weight room junkie, yeah. pretty much. Like, I, yeah, I've always, sure. and uh, it started started when I was playing football. Um, I needed to obviously prepare myself for you know getting getting hit or delivering hits. So I started you know working out in my garage. Uh, my dad gave me like a little circuit to do, and then um, you know once I got to high school. I'm not built like a prototype swimmer. I'm not, I don't have great height. Uh, I don't have extremely long limbs. What's your height and weight, bro? So I'm, 
five foot ten, and I'm 190, 190 now. But my race yeah. weight was like about 170. So what is that in kilos? Uh, shit. Uh, so uh, 220, 220 is 90 kilos, yeah. 220? No, 220 is 100 kilos. Yeah, 220 is 100 kilos, so... Uh, hold on, doing a quick math here. <laughs> not advisable. Yeah. Probably not uh, the best. So 2.2 kilos yeah. per... So I was yeah. about 77 kilos when I was... Uh, yeah, sure. When I was racing. And, uh, you know, it, it... You totally, like, when I go swimming now, I totally sit differently in the water. But, um... Right. It definitely helped me a lot, and um, I, I was definitely a lot smaller than a, a lot of my other swimmers, a lot of my other my teammates. Like my teammates averaged between six three and six four on the team. And the tallest person on my team was six ten. So hmm. was that? It's a couple of meters, right? Like yes. Yeah. It's almost. Uh, Hold on, I've got this. I've yeah. got this. <laughs> I've got it up actually. Yeah. So. I operate in feet. I'm, oh. I'm okay with feet. Oh, you got so you do the empirical system then? Yeah, so I'm six foot tall and okay. I'm uh, 100 okay. kilos, so I'm okay. about 220. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. My tallest teammate was 610, <laughs> and then uh, the average height yeah. on the men's Far, team. Yeah. yeah. So I had like I was basically racing people who were, you know, almost double my height, and I, I well not double my height, but at least like a foot taller than me. Wait, 610? Sure. Yeah. Twiggy was 610. Ugh. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> so, that's insane. But uh, it, I always like being uh, discounted because like when I race those, obviously the taller athletes, they're like, ah, oh, who's this like short kid, you know, stepping up to the blocks with us. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'll touch the wall first and they'll look up at you know, the Jumbotron like, who the hell is in lane one? And I'll just wave and like, yeah, it was me. And I'll climb out. So it always, it was always nice being discounted because they gave me, a, obviously they fed my chip on my shoulder. But it also, it kind of like, you know, boosts my morale a little bit. And my teammates love it because they're like, yeah, don't sleep on Mark because he'll race you. He doesn't, he doesn't care how tall you are or how big you are. Like, he'll, he'll race you. Destroy you. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, we'll talk about, like, so you've been doing more of the Wim Hof stuff. And um, I've, I've always been very comfortable in the water. And, um, I, we were talking about it earlier, like, I've always felt cold water makes you swim faster. And um, I, I think like putting yourself in uncomfortable positions <laughs> makes makes you grow stronger. Um, Absolutely, man, I yeah. talk about that every day. Yeah. Like uh, I've been training, uh, I've trained um, special operations uh, candidates, like uh, wow. uh, like Navy SEAL, I, I trained a SEAL, Navy SEAL. You did, yeah. And um, I trained a couple of SWIC people and a couple of uh, PJ. Uh, candidates, uh, paratrooper candidates, and like the one of the biggest things that right off the bat is like they freak out when they're underwater. And what I tell like the kids that I teach from like toddlers to you know adults, like you have to be calm. Like if you fight the water, you're gonna lose every single time. So like if you if you can stay calm underwater, you can stay calm on a battlefield, and like you can stay calm. In the classroom, you can stay calm in all aspects of life. You can stay calm in an element that is not your world, basically. I agree. And when I get hit by these big waves in the surf, I've started bodyboarding. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going out into these uh, Australian waters yeah. that are that are deep and, and heavy and, and, and they're dark. And 
that rip and that and it pulls you out into the ocean and you've got to fight against that. Man, I can fight. I can just I don't know how to explain this. I can fight. Yeah. But when you when you're fighting water, you got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and the main thing that I've learned is just what you said is to remain calm so when I'm getting smashed by these waves I don't try and climb and fight I just let loose yeah is that right you reckon yeah like uh, I mean I, I've done ocean rescue like after I, I, uh, I after I graduated college and got a real job I did ocean rescue for a couple of years and um, yeah that, that was the biggest thing like rescuing people from like riptides and and like you know we had a couple of dish, uh, hurricanes and stuff like that. People go out in storms for some reason, like they like to swim right after a storm or when a storm's coming in and I'll have to go and like save them. Like they'll start freaking out and like clawing me and stuff. Like I'm like, I have to tell them like remain calm. And like, I know from my background, like I can hold my breath a lot longer than they could. So I was like, listen, if you're gonna fight me, I'm gonna drag you down to the bottom of the ocean. And we're just gonna sit there, and, uh, hang tight. But uh, wow. it, it's a, uh, yeah, you definitely have to remain calm. Like, Mother Nature is gonna fuck, basically fuck you sideways each and every way and, oh, and, fuck yeah, you. until like you, you you let loose. So it, it's a it's a whole big process. And uh, it, for somebody who's who wants like a lot of control and control aspects, you're, you're not gonna control Mother Nature. She's gonna do what she wants to do. So you have to, but basically, like you said, just like relax and like let loose. Let her let nature run its course, and then basically do what you need to do after that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's hard to do, though. Yeah, it is. It's really hard to do. Where are you at right now in your um, in your swimming progression? I, like for me, like I'm just like I don't I can't swim. I absolutely zero can. Neither can I. Really? Not at all. Not at all. There he goes. Not one bit. So I'm, I'm in the ocean, mm -hmm. but I, I'll only go to like uh, uh, a head height, but I've got okay. a board. Okay. You see what I mean? Yeah. If I didn't have that board, I, I'd, I'd be dead. So, oh, so you're, you're mostly doing like a boogie boarding or like the body surf? Yeah. Uh, just the board, yeah. man. I won't go in the ocean without the board. Okay. So that board is my lifesaver. Yeah. I'm learning how to go left and right and all that sort of mm -hmm. thing. Um, nice. But the main thing for me on the swimming progression is that my fear. So, Mark, yeah. to answer your question, I'm not really, I don't give a fuck about how I swim. Yeah. I give a fuck about how, if I survive. Yeah. So, so if I enter that water, I'm thinking about sharks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got, man, I've got a deep seated fear. Yeah. I watched Jaws when I was younger. <laughs> and now I've got a stupid deep seated fear. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I envisage sharks grabbing me, ripping me. Yeah. And, and this is while I'm in the water. <laughs> and I just, I just go, fuck it, I'm here. Mm -hmm. And I'm not getting out under any circumstances. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I don't know if I saw a shark. I don't know what I'd do. Uh, maybe just put my head down and just die. I don't want to. I don't want to swim away because it's going to eat me. <laughs> legs up. Yeah. You put them um, in a triangle. No, man, I don't know that. <laughs> I mean, you go, obviously, with any predator, you go for the soft spots, the eyes, the gills, the nose. But yeah, I, I've had. I've heard that. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've you had, can try, but yeah, you can try. I've it's had his element. Two two run-ins with sharks when I was doing ocean rescue. One was during my no way. Yeah, one was during my cert, where um, you have to do uh, 500 meters open water, and uh, I was with a group of people, but like I, I swam collegiately, like most of these people never did. So I started swimming, and I was you know meters ahead of everyone, and I'm by myself and. 
Oh, when I say like the hair on the back of my neck stood up in the water, like I knew something was near me. I just didn't know how close. Wow. So I just kept, I just closed my eyes and kept swimming. Cause like, what, what am I going to do? Like if, you know, we have a, uh, in Florida, we have bull sharks, which are, yeah, I guess, the, yeah, bull sharks are what? The most, probably the most aggressive really sharks. Really aggressive, or yeah. One of the most aggressive species of sharks. So I was like, I don't know what's near me, but I know something's near me. And I kept swimming and finally, one of the other guards came up with a uh, jet ski. He's like, hey, you know there was like a 10 foot bull shark maybe like five yards away from you? Damn. I'm like, what, why didn't you bring the jet ski closer to me? He's like, well, I had all these people behind you. I was like, no, fuck them. I look like a seal. You come rescue me first. And he started laughing. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, I look like, I look like food. Look like, like food. Come, come save me. He's like, well, you were almost done. So I, I didn't, you know, I figured you'd get to the shore and, you know, before the shark would get you. I'm like, dude, fuck you. And then, like, the other time I was uh, learning how to surf and um, there was a report of, like, two tiger sharks coming out of the, uh, the jetty where I was near. And I'm like, ah, fuck it. I'm coming back in. I'm not, I'm not getting into another uh, encounter with one of those. Where was this, man? So the first one was uh, Anna Marie Island in Florida. Yeah. And then the second one is, no, well, in Florida is, uh, is a beach called North Jetty in, um, you know, Southwest Florida in, uh, near Venice. So, uh, yeah. And you guys have alligators too, yeah? Oh, uh, what? What was that? You guys have alligators, yeah? Yeah, we have alligators, yeah. <clears throat> Those are mostly in like... Damn, man, it's like, it's, it's like Australia over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. We just don't well, have the giant well, stuff. Yeah. I've always said like Florida's kind of like the... Uh, like the American version of Australia, yeah. except a lot smaller. Yeah. So yeah, we, we have uh, we have quite a lot of wildlife. Like uh, I've encountered alligators too during uh, when I was a you know, police officer. I, I had a couple of run-ins with alligators, where uh, I had to pull out my rifle yeah. and stuff. So yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty crazy stuff. But, you you were a police officer, man. Yeah. Wow. So, that was a. Uh, are you still? Are you still a cop? No, uh, there's uh, certain things that happened. Uh, <laughs> that we, uh, we will not discuss. Yeah, that we'll, we won't discuss. But uh, no longer. No comment. Person. Yeah, yeah. He's a free man right now. Good. He's just going back to his black dolphin ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was my nickname uh, when I was swimming. So, obviously, uh, not many, not many African Americans you see <clears throat> swimming. So. Uh, my my teammates were like, dude, you're like a black dolphin swimming. Cause I, I was a butterflyer, and um, they're like, I other than Sabir Muhammad, I've never seen anybody move the way you do in the water. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm just that's how I grew up. I don't know. I mean, that's just doing awesome. me. So, unreal. Yeah. But like the strength stuff, like I got into like strength strength conditioning while I was swimming. I was really a big proponent of it because I, I obviously had to swim against taller athletes and then um, after I got injured three weeks before Olympic trials in 2012 I uh, tore my labrum on my shoulder oh damn and um, yeah it, it, it like I got into like a really like probably like a year-long depression because like for almost eight years like that was my dream to you know compete at the Olympic trials and hopefully make the Olympic team and um, you know, I had a, uh, the team doctor at Florida State, uh, Dr. Stowers, he pretty much told me that uh, I'd never be able to swim again. And 
that I wouldn't be able to lift anything over my head. Mm. And basically, like, me being me, I'm stubborn as fuck. I, I pretty much told him, like, go fuck yourself. Like, I'm gonna go get a second opinion. And then uh, Dr. Schofield, where I live um, in Sarasota, he said, like, oh, if you do a year of rehab and wear a sling on your arm for like, six months, like, you'll, we'll re you'll regrow the tendon and then, uh, you'll be able to swim. You have like a 50% shot wow. of uh, swimming and competing again. So I was like, dude, 50% is better than nothing. So I did that and I swam masters, uh, master swimming, which is like 18 and up after, and it's like amateur swimming. And most of these, the way I see master swimming is all the people you beat as a kid who never made the podium and now are older and are all disgruntled because they take it way too seriously. Like those are master masters athletes, or at least for swimming at least. So I did that for like a year and kind of got like my last hurrah out of uh, swimming. But I was able, I was actually swimming the 100 fly faster than when I was competing in college. With the, you know, but I couldn't swim anything over 100 yards basically after that. Wow. Yeah. Like my 200 was terrible, but I, I got back into it. And um, yeah, I kind of got it out of my system and I really focused more on like CrossFit and Olympic lifting after that, mm -hmm. and which I was like mostly doing that stuff in college. Speaking of injuries, mm -hmm. I had my uh, pec major torn straight off the bone. Oh. So torn off the humerus. So I was caught in an arm, arm yeah. lock in the in a jiu-jitsu tournament and bang. Yeah. Just completely tore off. Had to get it, uh, yeah. they had to oh. bolt it carbon fiber. Big audible pop. Yeah, 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 full pop. And I had yeah. that carbon fiber bolted it back onto the humerus and I was slinged up and um, yeah, man, that was me. That was a, that was that, and I've got this one as well. I'm not sure if you can. Yep. I'm not sure if you can see this. Oh no, nice. that's gnarly. I had it. Uh, the kind of brow over the eyebrow, yeah. Yeah, right up here. Um, yeah, and I still got. I've got no feeling in my head on the left hand side, right through to the back of my <laughs> skull. So if I touch. If I tap my uh, eyebrow here, it tingles all the way through mm -hmm. up to the back of my head. And if I touch the back of my head, I can feel it in my eyebrow. So, wow. and when I get the shower, the hot water, I can't feel it on my left hand side. So, um, I've many broken fingers, um, oh. I had sciatica, things like that. You know, just through bodybuilding, squatting 180 kilos for reps, 200 kilos for reps. Brazilian yeah. Jiu-Jitsu flat out for 12 years. Um, you know, injuries, guys, that, you know, talk to me about injuries. Like uh, so you just hit it hard. Yeah, is that what it was? You just you were just going at it hard because for me the thing is like I've always, when I got into training, I was always very conscious about not injuring myself. Sure. So part of the focus was me for me was actually paying attention to mobilizing a lot and stretching a lot and, and doing a lot. I I would rather hurt myself stretching and mobilizing. Sure. Than than hurting and then losing progress on what I was doing. So I don't really have a history of injury necessarily. Well, I feel like if you do anything at a high level, mm. like if you're a bodybuilding and you're a competitive bodybuilder, you're gonna get injured. Like I've, I've had injuries, like swimming's a non-contact sport, but I, yet I had a concussion when I was swimming. I tore my labrum. Uh, it, you know, I've had, you know, numerous of overuse injuries um, with my like different joints and stuff like that. So like, if you do anything, 
my dad is like, he, he hates CrossFit. Like he hates it and I used to compete for, not at a high level, but like at a, like a local level in CrossFit. And like he hates it because he's old school. And uh, he's like, you're gonna get injured like that. I never got injured lifting weights. Not yet, at least. But like, over you stuff, you're, you're yeah, knock on wood. But like, if you do anything at a high level, you're you're gonna get injured. Like it doesn't matter what you, what you do. Absolutely. Like I've I've always believed that, and he's kind of <laughs> have to kind of get it through his thick skull. Like I'm gonna get injured sooner or later. So. So are you doing the yoga to kind of protect against any more injuries and sort of recover a little bit of that? Yeah, Mark, I'm gonna do yoga because I'm old. <laughs> You're not that old. You're not old. Dude. <laughs> 39 is not old. When, when we're talking about sports, guys, I'm old, man. Yeah. LeBron's going to retire soon, well, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah like, well, training age, yeah. Like, uh, if you've been training for a long time, like, you've probably been training a lot longer than I have. I, I think my training age is like 15, 15 yeah. years, and yours is... Yeah, way less than that. Yeah, so... I'd say half that. Yeah, like the overuse is, is gonna catch up to you and you're gonna have to yeah. take precautions. Like for me now, like I remember, you know, when I was in college, I, I never, even before college, when I was in high school, I never had a warm up for anything. I could hop into a race, like cold turkey, I can hop into the weight room cold turkey and, you know, start squatting or benching or whatever. Now, like my warm ups take like half an hour sure. if I really wanna perform well. So, and then, um, I always try to do some kind of mobility workout, whether it be yoga or like one of those um, one of those apps like uh, GoWad or um, Ramwad. Yeah, Ramwad. Like, like you know what? Half, you know what I think. You know what I think is gonna happen with mm -hmm. your track track record, Darren. Mm -hmm. I think you're gonna you're gonna go hard into yoga, and then you're gonna start an ashram <laughs> next to Arena Fitness. I like it. And you're gonna be like, you're gonna be the most buff, most aggressive looking yogi. <laughs> I wanna call it a You're somehow gonna injure yourself doing it. <laughs> That'd be a catchy name. I, dude, I'd sign off for it. Fuck it. You know, um, it's like, I'll go you, hard, can, man. you can come rub the dot bot. Yeah. Whatever I do, or man, I'll go hard. Yeah, spring mentality, fly or die. Honestly, guys, uh, my mentality throughout my whole training career. Uh, stupidity as it may seem was to literally uh, never stop never quit no matter what when I busted my pec off the bone they re and they surgically repaired it within a couple of days I was back on the mat and my arm was tied into my belt and I was training nice. and uh, you know um, yeah. I, I, I haven't taken a week off in, in um, since 2000 the year 2000 and you know what I'm taking a week off as of the past two weeks, I haven't trained in two weeks, yeah. but I'm still at home on the ground, on the mats, training. Um, but this, um, I believe that this period of time that we're going through at the moment with this unrest and the crisis is that it's a time for us to stop and reset and rethink. And if up until this point you've been resting and not doing anything at all, then you know, then you're, you're going to find this. It's a time to get fat. Yeah. Well, exactly, exactly, Mark. <laughs> exactly. And. For people like us, it's a time to sit and relax, not to worry about losing our gains and all that sort of thing. And I think it's a time for us to really stop and think and reset and regroup and trans and transcend and transform. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, people always like been wanting to, you know, like, oh, I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time. Yep. Well, now you have more yeah, time, yeah, unfortunately. Man. Like you, <laughs> but 
there's always things you can do. Like, um, I'm actually, I actually signed up for like online classes now, and I, I just shared a link with uh, Mark. Sure. Um, I'm taking like a online nutrition class from uh, Stanford University um, currently, which is a, I'm learning things about food that I wish I didn't know. That's right. <laughs> um, That's me really cool because now you can yeah. say you went to Stanford. <laughs> so yeah, especially like from like, a very prestigious school like Stanford, but. Um, yeah, it's like there's so many things like I, I've actually been doing um, like I was a sprinter in college so 200 and down was my events so now I've been doing um, pure endurance mm. a couple of workouts there um, one of them made me throw up nice um, yeah that was uh, pretty intense and uh, it's a uh, it was like four rounds the max interval you can go on the air bike yeah. the airdyne bike and um, yeah, uh, after, like, not only did my quads blow up after, like, the first, you know, two rounds, like, you start getting that um, pulmonary edema where you can't breathe, and, like, everything, every breath hurts, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess I didn't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I ate too much prior to it, and yeah. uh, all the breakfast came up after that, so, but uh, it's good to, like, push yourself and work on different things, like, I've been working, I've been trying to uh, work on getting my, like I've always had a pretty low heart rate and I think the lowest my heart rate was when I was competing was like 40 beats per minute. Wow. Um, so I wanted to try to get up, so I wanted to try to get under 40 beats per minute. You'd be yeah, dead, that's man. Like the goal. Well, what's cool, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's cool is there's always something to work yeah. on. And like you said, Darren, um, now, I, don't get me wrong, mm. I'm going insane. Yeah. Okay, I, yeah. <laughs> I really want to lift something. But uh, it really is a time for uh, self-reflection and, and uh, and reassessing certain things like um, I'm training with a girl now and we're gonna work on some gymnastics progressions so that it actually it feeds into a lot of the things that I want to do yes and I joked about you doing the whole yoga bit but I mean that's that's gonna be something that that'll potentially get you back maybe a few years or something as far as your training and, and keep you doing the things that you enjoy it's just most people, especially people on the outside who kind of get into this and, and they're always excited about fitness culture and they think that like if they buy all the gear and they do all the workouts today, then they're gonna be, they're gonna be hit fit like tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it's more consistency. Like it, it is. It, yeah. oh, it is all consistency. Probably. I mean, like, there's just a lot of consistency on your part, Dan. Like yeah. you were saying, uh, you, God, like you just went hard for years on everything that you ever decided that you were gonna end up yeah. doing. Yeah, I did. I, I went where, hard and I never quit. But there are, where does that come from, though? Like, where do you think that comes from? Uh, I think that comes from not wanting to be what I used to be, and I think that comes from yeah. being as far away from what I used to be as possible. And I went from uh, a derelict, uh, drug addicted person, alcohol dependent uh, victim, to uh, an elite athlete. And you can't get any further apart in polar opposite, right? Yeah, um, you know, all of my yeah, all yeah, of my yeah. friends, man, all of my fucking friends are in jail or fucking dead. You know, and that yeah, from from yeah. the old days, and um, and that certainly certainly could have and should have been me. And my doctor said to me when yeah. I was seventeen, he said, "You're going to die or go to jail. Take your choice." Um, you know, obviously the better choice was jail, but then I chose this other path. And one day he met with me and saw me and said, "Fucking hell, man!" And he got to tears and. He's just like, you know, it's a miracle. And I said, nah, motherfucker, hard work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's where I'm at. That's all it is. You know, it's hard work. And like you said, Mark, yeah. I, really, I really can't stress enough what you said, Mark, before, was that it's consistency. It's not, it's not hard work. 
it's because you can't work hard all the time. It's consistency. So yeah. even if you take a take a if you work at ten percent, fifteen percent, twenty percent, as long as you keep moving forward. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mark Bell said the same thing, and you you just said the same thing too. When you said the next day after you got your uh, arm um, in the sling, you just tucked your you tucked your arm in your belt, and you just mm -hmm. kept rolling and doing what you could with what you had. Mm -hmm. And for most people, I think. It's, they always see like a, like oh I got injured. They have an excuse. Cop out, yeah, yeah. Like oh I can sit this. They one didn't out want it in the first place. Like, somebody like that never wanted it in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the day after, um, I tore my labrum because <laughs> I tore it running stadiums and I slipped and I fell. I grabbed the rail. Oops. Uh, I knew it was dislocated and I was like fuck. Wow. What am I gonna do? Like the trainers are like the school was closed so like no there's no athletic trainers on campus. So I'm sitting there at the top of the stadium was like, well, it hurts. Yeah. It's gonna hurt more if I don't take care of it. So I slammed my arm against the rail and popped it back in. Wow. And then ran home. Uh. Yeah, I'm fucking crazy sometimes. And, um, and I was, I just turned 21. So I ran to, ran back to my apartment, grabbed some ibuprofen and then grabbed uh, some Jack Daniels and that was my medicine for the night. <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> and um, yeah, like I didn't think too much of it until like the next day at practice where I dove, I dove in the water and I couldn't swim. I got to the side of the pool and the trainer's like, you know, what the fuck's going on? I'm like, I, I can't swim, I can't lift my arm up. So he took me to uh, the doctor, he got an x-ray and he's like, yeah, your arm's all fucked up. Wow. So I was like, all right, well, I can still kick. Like I can't, obviously I can't use my arms right now or I can use one arm. So I can still do something. He's like, is that okay? He's like, Are you sure you want to do that? I'm like, well, what else am I going to do? Like, I'm going to sit there and watch everyone practice? Like, fuck that. No, I'm going to get in the water with them, work on some things that I can, you know, that I know I can do and I can get better at. So yeah. there's always something you can do whether or not, you know, you, you totally think you great. can. Yeah. What's up guys, it's Mark with Florida's Fittest Podcast and let me tell you about a project I'm working on called Streamline. Streamline is designed to make you more confident in and around the water. 15 years I was a competitive swimmer, 8 of those years at the national level. I qualified for 2008 Olympic Trials, 2009 World Champs and again at 2012 Olympic Trials. I swam competitively at Florida State University, water safety instructor and I swam ocean rescue for a number of years. This program is designed for my CrossFit athletes. This might be the missing part of your game. For my triathletes, I know you guys struggle with that first part of the race. For my first responders, God forbid you ever have to make a water rescue or extraction. For my military candidates, combat stroke and water confidence drills. All of this stuff will help you swim better and more confident in the water. And guys, stay tuned for more in-depth tutorials and instruction. Thanks. All right, this is Reach and Go. And I am fully extended on the kickboard with the kicking I was doing during the kick drill. I'm gonna pull underneath my body with a straight arm all the way past my hips. My right arm stays on my right side. My left arm stays on its left side. There's no crossover. Um, nice high elbow on the recovery. You get as much extension 
on your reach as possible. You always want to reach out to the board in a full straight arm. Uh, my breathing is to the side and I always want to have one goggle in, one goggle out. My head position in the water is looking straight down at the black line. My body is going to rotate around my head so my head does not move unless it is to breathe. The more you can minimize your movement, the more efficient you'll be in the water. So once again, same strong kick you had on the kicking drill, body pulls with a straight arm. Your body's going to rotate around your head and you're going to breathe one goggle in, one goggle out. Nice high elbows on the recovery and always reaching as far as you can on extension. This is Reach and Go. I don't know if you watched like the CrossFit Games in the past years or recently, like they've added a I lot of swimming events. I love the damn CrossFit Games, man. I love that shit. Yeah. Why are Aussies so good at swimming? That's what I want to know. What are those, where are those, where are those girls from? Uh, are they Dutch? Uh, oh, uh, Iceland. Iceland. What are their names? Yeah. Uh, Annie Thor's daughter, Katrin Davis' yeah. daughter. Davis' yeah. daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's the, what's the guy's name that's kicking everyone's ass? Um, uh, Matt Frazier. Matt Frazier, man. Oh yeah. my God. Dude. To me, right now in sports in the world, and yeah. sorry to interrupt, but in the world yeah. right now, I think Matt Frazier is the is the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Dude, I agree. He's probably my favorite athlete just because of his personality. Um, he's the he's only worth athlete. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's like that, he's like the true, that's an athlete. true athlete. Yeah, yeah. Like he eats, sleeps, and breathes it, and. He, he, already, he even said like, yeah, like, like, I'm not looking to do this forever and after this is done, I don't want to coach. <clears throat> I just want to have a bunch of, like, I, I want to have litter of kids and live my life and I'll probably sit at a desk the rest of my life, but at least I have this in the moment. What's crazy with Matt is that I think you said, you mentioned that he kind of had a similar situation where he was just, uh, to use Darren's word, a derelict for a little bit. Yeah, like a lot of people right. don't know that story. Like, he even was, though he was a derelict was... for... A long time. Even though he was like, he, had, he came uh, from good pedigree, like his yeah. parents were like. His, both his parents were Olympians. He was, he was still um, an alcoholic while he was at the Olympic camp training. Like he would like sneak out and like, you know, drink and like throw up and then go lift weights after that. And then So it, what it, sets him apart? What's it, why is he so far ahead of everybody else? I think he's eliminated all other distractions like he he's he's got like the best of both worlds where he's got his mom's side where he loves to train and he'll do any like he'll basically put himself in situations where he'll do anything to beat the other person and or in training wise and then when he competes like he competes with everything like he's like i don't care if i i break something i'm going to win with this so how do people whatever, like whatever, us whatever event find what he's got how do we get to that level it, it that's something like 
I, I feel like it's something that you have to be a little bit born with, like that kind of like chip on your shoulder or that mentality and the mental toughness of just training, like putting in the hard hours of training, that mental toughness area to where like, you know, this is, this is, this part's easy. I've already done this a thousand times in training. Like this is, this is nothing. So, so that's something I've been trying to figure out because I, I felt like coming out of uh, high school, I didn't really have that. So I've had to, to sort of biohack all that stuff. For me, it's realizing, like I said earlier in my story, that you prove to yourself, you prove to yourself that you have a track record of winning, even if it's the smallest little thing. Um, you have, you have a daughter, I have a daughter, and that, like, I, re I really recognize that kids nowadays have it so easy because they get all, all the knowledge that we have and all of the, the terrible experiences that we've had, and then they get to just reap the rewards of, if you tell a kid that, oh, here's something I'm working on with my daughter lately. I've been telling her, if you make sure that your knees always track with your feet, you're, you're gonna make sure that as you grow up, your, your knees won't get hurt. And she says, okay, I'm gonna pedal my bike with my knees straight, with my, with my, with my feet, so I don't hurt my leggies. So simple little things like that stick in their minds, and then it's just a matter of proving it over time that this is the you know, winning like approach. Yeah, because cause for me, I, it, I was, again, like I grew up in a home where it was like, it was a lot of negative reinforcement. So at some point I was just like, it just doesn't work for me anymore. Like you can yell at me and you can get mad at me. You can go right up in my face. I'm just gonna laugh at you or I'm just gonna ignore you because it just, it's not gonna motivate me to do anything. But if I see that, so I just started jujitsu, but if I see that if I drill a certain move over and over and over again, but I also watch myself fail because I'm doing the opposite of what I should be doing. That has helped me to, to realize that the winning path is the way to actually achieving something greater. And like you said, I think you, I kind of felt like there was a little bit of a, like a, like a big feeling of triumph when, when you said that you became an elite athlete from who you once were. So when you, when you can prove to yourself that I can come from nothing and become something great, I think that's what it is. But you have to take those small incremental steps yeah. with, with consistency um, and proving yourself over time. I, that's how I've come to realize how that works. I love that. I really do. I love that. I love that, uh, that sentiment of consistency. And it's not consistency over a day. It's not consistency over a week, a year. It's consistency over many, many, many hard, arduous uh, years. You can't become great at anything in a short amount of time. I think it takes. No. Um, I mean, you can be, you can drive a car, you can learn to drive a car in a month, but you can't be a NASCAR driver, you know, in a month. Um, no. You can learn jujitsu, you can learn the the moves to get you out of trouble in jujitsu in a month. You can yeah. you can learn to swim from one pool, one side of the pool to the other in a month, but you're not going to become elite in a month. You get, it takes years and. Man, how many how many times have we heard of the Matt Frasers and even you guys and me? How many times have we looked in the mirror and thought it's over? I'm going to quit. And and um, it's it's what it's what you get. It's what you say back to yourself when you have those thoughts. I, I think I'm going to quit. Mm -hmm. What keeps you going is why you started. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And there's so to tell a quick story with that, like. <clears throat> I, I told Mark already, but like my transition from 
when I moved down from New York to Florida, I was already at the pedigree of swimming in New York, and I was already like I already qualified for top of the top, top top of the top. Like I was yeah. a state runner-up in New York as an eighth grader, like not even in high school yet. And then when I came to Florida, swimming down here is at a whole different level. And my first day of practice, I was thoroughly embarrassed to say the least. Um, I was getting beat by girls half my size and the culture of the team that I was on, if you were swimming too slow, they would grab you by your ankle, then grab you wow. by your shoulder, throw you underneath them and swim over you. And wow. I would, I wanted to quit my first day of practice and I had a coach pull me aside. He's like, look, you have a great potential. It's like, it's gonna get easier every day. Just keep wow. work, just keep working hard, keep showing up. And I had teammates in the locker rooms like, hey man, like we remember our first day of practice, like it's gonna get easier. Just like, keep your head up, like this, this is for you. Like if you stick with this program, you're gonna be great. And like at that point, like I, I already had a, like a taste of blood. Like I was like, look, I'm not gonna get beat by these girls anymore. Like, like this, this shit's getting old real quick. Like, I'm, I'm, that's not gonna happen anymore. And I had, you know, some of the older guys were like, look, we need another guy on the team that can score points. Like we need a guy who can literally fire everyone up. So we need you to you know, stick with it. And I think if it wasn't for those teammates and that, you know, that whole experience, like I don't think I'd be the athlete that I was or that I am now. Um, they, they definitely shaped me and like, I, I got humbled real quick coming from New York down to Florida. Like the, the swimming was definitely at a whole different level. And then like, I, I just wanted more. Like after that, I was like, you know, if this is how it's gonna be the culture of the team. Like they're gonna run me over in practice. Like I'm gonna make sure I'm not gonna get run over. And then I'm gonna run over people who are in my way after that. So it was kind of like a, like a it, it kind of fed my chip on my shoulder, but yeah. it, it, definitely, um, it definitely helped. What you're saying is so, is so common, I think, among, among athletes. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think the it's it's I think even Gary because we're all familiar with Gary V. Um, I know you're you definitely I think you took what Gary said and you really ran with it, Darren. Um, and I think a lot of what Darren uh, or Gary talks about is um, kind of is in the, on the same vein of like athleticism and and really like you you can you can you can front all you want. You can even front and have the genetics. You can have the pedigree. But if you don't, if you're not consistent, mm -hmm. just on a day to day, like Gary Solzheim is just like, I'm just right. consistent. Yeah. It's just the consistency, consistency that matters. It's just the key. And like, yeah. dude, I, I'll even say fuck genetics because I wasn't a prototype. So no, I'm not. a prototype athlete. Yeah. So, you know, I, I definitely worked harder and earned my spot more than a lot of people did. I think it makes so, you lazy. Yeah. You know? I think people who have it like that, where they have the genetics or they have the pedigree, they're like, like I, that's probably. I wonder if that's what kind of drove Matt to a place where it was like, well, yeah. my parents are Olympians. I've been doing this probably for a long, long time. Like, I don't really need to pay attention. I think you can make it. I, I think what stoked the fire under his ass too, though, was he got second two times, like in two games, like in a row. But it was only by marginal points, and it was because of an event he fucked up. Mm. And um, the second time he got second was on the, he finished second because of the last event. He went out too hard and made mistakes. Mm. And he, it, for a great athlete, they, they beat that they're so hypercritical of themselves. Yeah. Which like I was, and I'm sure like, you, you know, you're hypercritical of yourself. Like 
like you if you lose it's because it's your fault you don't blame anybody else and like like that just like it stoked the, you know sucked another fire under his ass and he's like you know what like i'm gonna eliminate all my mistakes i'm gonna become really great at this and he he became dominant at everything like yeah Honestly, I, I, I cringe at some of his swimming, but it's definitely marginally better than it was <laughs> before. Um, if you saw one of his sprint events, like Matt was, I think in 2016, like Matt's, or 2015, Matt finished dead last in the sprint event. And in 2016, he finished first in the sprint event. He made like that huge jump it's from huge 40th jump. to yeah. first within a year. Cause he was like, you know, what? I'm gonna really humble myself. I'm gonna run with the high school track team and really get good at this because I don't want to be embarrassed at the sprinter run. Like that's the mark of every athlete. Like I should be able to sprint. And um, yeah, he turned it around big time in the sprint yeah. event. It shocked a whole bunch yeah. of people. And it shocked everyone on the endurance event too because he's a world level weightlifter. And they're like, ah, you know, first event's going to be a 7K run. And uh, Matt Fridge is probably not going to finish first. And he crushed everyone by like over two minutes. Mm. So it, it's definitely a mark of a good athlete to overcome like those adversities. Yeah, I agree with that. There's a couple of points there that I want to touch on, and that is when when um, when genetics meet hard work. The Matt phrases with their with, with their parents and, and their genetics are on point, and then they they add hard work and they add consistency. That's when you become the top of the top. Yeah. Um, another thing is what you said before, Mark, about uh, being hypercritical uh, of our achievements or our failures. Um, that's why I hate team sports. Uh, yeah. That's why, I, I, you know, because, you know, no one's there to drag me down. No one's there to push me up. I am responsible for winning and I'm responsible for losing. I'm responsible yeah. for not showing up. And um, that's what I love about the pursuits that, I, that, I've, um, that I've gone through uh, with bodybuilding uh, myself. I was a sprinter as well um, at a young age and I went back to sprinting between bodybuilding and Jiu-Jitsu, I went to sprinting and I ran, um, I ran an 11, I ran 11, 11 five at 230 pound body weight. That's crazy. So fast, dude. That's fast. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was pumping, I was pumping and, um, yeah. but, but. Um, That's like NFL running back speed. No way. <laughs> and I was heavy and I was fucking fast. Um, and I've been, I've been asked to, to play in NFL uh, a lot of times, even they have they have leagues down here. But um, I went from bodybuilding to ju uh, bodybuilding, sprinting, and then uh, to jiu-jitsu. But um, I tried basketball back in the day in my younger years, and I played at a pretty elite level level down here. But I found that um, I was getting I was getting frustrated because my outcome was determined by other people's input, mm -hmm. which I didn't. I didn't assimilate with that. Yeah. And like that, that was one of the things that I loved about swimming where it's, everything's on you at that point. Like the race is all that matters. Yeah, like yeah, I was I on like relays that. where, I was on relays where, thankfully I was blessed to have awesome teammates who were on the same level. And like, you know, our team mascot was the Sharks on the swim team. So the lane that I was in was called the Shark Pit. Like we, if you were coming in the shark pit, like you, you're definitely going to get messed up. Like, he, let me ask you, you a question. To, though, yeah. If um, you're not going to make a swim team, if you're shit, you're not going to make a swim team yeah. if you're if you're lazy. By byproduct yeah. of being in that swim team, you have got to a certain level. Am I right? Yeah. 
Yeah, so you're you're keeping your opponent, you're keeping your uh, sorry teammates to account. Is that right? Yeah, like uh, well, like our girls' team was probably our pride and joy. My freshman year, like the coaches pretty much shit on the guys' team. Like we we were all on the same team, but they favor the girls' team more because they've already won a national title, and the guys were we were no close to having one. And the girl, like even the girls who didn't score points, were riding us. Or like, oh, you guys are insignificant. And the coaches were like, oh, you guys seem to shit. So um, some of the some of the older guys were like, dude, dude, we need to change this. Like I'm tired of being second fiddle to the girls' team. And I was like, yeah, so am I. Like I, I get shit on all the time for you know just being <laughs> like on the guys' team. Like I, that's not cool. So like we've kind of turned it around in my sophomore and junior year, where we won two titles back to back. And like, what what got us to that point was like we raced every day in practice, and like we had, you know, ten to twelve guys who were willing to put on the line every day in practice, in even in and out of the pool. Like in the weight room, we we put in the time, which helped tremendously. And then like, you know, in the pool, like we we just pretty much ran over every girl we saw, um, just like put them in their place, which sounds totally. Terrible, but like just to, just to start a, like a dominance, and then like our, our senior year we had um, we had a tragedy where uh, my head coach ended up taking his own life, and um, oh, damn. it brought it brought the team so much closer together. And then we had like an assistant coach or a uh, assistant coach has always been there, but then we got a new coach who the co- like the team just didn't really buy, but we wanted to win this last national title or at least for our seniors, um, be, you know, for our former coach. And it really brought us all together. And uh, we have this team model for the team, which brought everyone together. But like, as I said, like, you know, individual sports, you know, it was, it's what made me, because like every, every failure and every success was because of me. And like, I had to put in the hard work consistently and to bring it into the team aspect, like for swimming, it's, the only time you're on a team is on relays. So every single person has to be in that same mentality in that same boat, essentially, to get that t- team victory in order. Everyone has to swim a perfect race. So, um, you know, we had that opportunity my, my three years, like we, our best relay was the four by 200 relay, which I was a part of. And um, I got to anchor it for three years and um, take home the title every single time in the last year we set the national record um, swimming so um, which was we didn't we didn't do that for ourselves we did that for our coach because that was his favorite relay and um, as his legacy like you know yeah but, what do you do what do you do CrossFit Matt? Um, I do I did CrossFit at um, Real Fitness Sarasota and um, then I started doing it you know on my own at home um, I kind of, I was really into it for like five years, like uh, with the open and all the things. And then after when the open changed, um, the like online competition changed where the open really doesn't matter. You have to be like the number one in the country that um, you're competing in to get to the games. Like I was like, ah, you know, I, I'm going to do this for fun keep you healthy. And like, if my fitness level inspires other people, then better for it because like that's that's really what I want to do things now for like I don't want to I don't need to compete anymore I've already achieved a level of 
greatness that I wanted to achieve. Like, you know, being Olympic trial qualifier, swim collegiate in college, like those are all accolades that no one ever can ever take away from me. But if I can inspire people, you know, by working hard consistently every day, like that's, that's my life goal now. That's cool. Other topics we got? I mean, I think we all kind of strive to do that. That, that was, that's, that's one of the cooler things that I've seen in Darren, what you're doing with, um, it's, it's Arena, right? Arena's your, uh, basically the whole of everything that you've got. Okay, so downstairs, okay, uh, so uh, there's been a few changes. So downstairs we've got Trojan Jiu-Jitsu, which is, uh, Trojan Academy, sorry, which is my uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy with kids, teens and adults. Upstairs at mm. my academy I have a gym. They've moved out, so they've shut down during the crisis and they've mm. moved uh, They've moved on to, um, that was a separate gym. Um, I did have... Um, uh, I did have some stakes in that gym previously, but then I relinquished those. Mm. They moved out. So okay. upstairs now, I'm going to start a new outfit. Um, I'm going to have yoga um, and I'm going to have fitness, but I'm erring towards more CrossFit style than bodybuilding um, or, uh, you know, mums and bubs type of stuff more than, um, more than elite. But I do think that CrossFit style training, that interval circuit style training is for everyone. But I do have yeah. um, Trojan Academy downstairs, I have the fitness upstairs, and up, upstairs in the fitness area is actually where my studio is, where I run my podcast from. So I have it all all in one. Obviously tonight, I'm at, uh, I'm at home, because I've brought everything over, but um, I have everything in one warehouse. Nice. Mm. That's nice. That's a um, that's like a perfect setup right there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's part of like... This is all in like command center or bat cave yeah. kind of deal. It's, it's a good oh, way to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to... I really am, I am fucking us. Batman, boys. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, I mean... Uh, we could try to do that though. We could try to... Yeah, we're trying to that. establish the same... Because I mean, for me, what got me... One of the things that really pushed me in the fitness space was like when I got into powerlifting. And... Uh, I, uh, I wanted to build out, what I'd like to do is to create a gym that's free to people who want to use it and it's just funded by and, and serviced by everything else that I'm doing. Like, if you really want to come in and train, come on in and train, you have access to it. it it's removing that barrier of, of excuses where, oh, I can't afford the membership. It's right there, it's free, you can use it. Um, and. Everything else, all of my endeavors, all the little, all the other jobs and things that I'm doing, all the projects that I've that I'm creating are are meant to funnel into that and and getting to know people like you, Darren and Mark and whoever else that comes along the way. I'd like to I'd like to have those people be sort of the subject matter experts of all of these different unique things and have them to be yeah, able to come it. in and say, today Darren's going to come in and or or someone who represents Trojan is going to represent is going to do something for for jujitsu and grappling. Um, if you uh, if you hang out tomorrow or whatever, Mark's going to be there and he's going to do some dry land practice for swimming. Um, all of it is just, I think, the thing that I guess you could say that the chip on my shoulder is I always wanted, and it's not necessarily like a, a real like mark on my parents. It's just they were just busy because they were trying to survive in this new world. But I really wanted for someone to be able to say, hey, buddy, um, you want to learn how to swim? 
I'll take you by the hand. You wanted a here's what community. We're do. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a huge advocate of like, I love gym communities and just like communities in general, like, you know, coming from a swim background, you know, my parents had a, a swim school, like my, my mom and my stepfather had a swim school and it was open to everyone. If you needed to learn how to swim, you know, your kids need to learn how to swim, they'd, they'd have it for you. Yeah. And um, the instructors were swimmers they had, like the high school level swimmers they had. And, you know, my parents, like my, my dad was in the pool, pool every day, yeah. you know, teaching kids how to swim. My mom was in the pool every day teaching kids how to swim. She's still, you know, obviously with the quarantine, she's, she's not, but like, you know, she's 50, 54, mm -hmm. and she's still teaching some lessons every day and like traveling to people's houses and teaching kids how to swim. And like that whole thing, like when I was swimming in high school and college, like we had athletes come train with us all the time. And, you know, that was really cool. I had a uh, Olympian from Brazil train with our, our swim team. And, you know, he taught us a lot of things. And, you know, it, it was really good for us to like try to race him every day, every day in practice, even though he got tired of it. He's like, dude, I don't want to go hard in practice every day or every set. But we were like, come on, like, you know, how many, you know, you know, how often is it that we have an Olympian in the pool with us? Like that's, that's yeah, freaking yeah. awesome. So like that thing and, and like um, CrossFit in like the earlier days, um, I talked about this in our earlier podcast, like you could drop into any CrossFit gym and like train with whoever and like, you know, the, drop-in fee was like, hey, you know, if you like our gym, like buy a t-shirt. You're like, yeah, dude, I'll totally support you. And like, and that's how I've always, like I've been to probably about 15 CrossFit gyms, uh, you know, in the United States. And I've only had two bad experiences. And, um, you know, 15 out of, out of two is, is pretty good. And like the two, the two bad experiences were pretty quite awful. <laughs> like, yeah. Like they were like, and, those are places like where, like I, I would t definitely tell people, I was like, yeah, I wouldn't want to train there yeah. ever again. But like the the other 13 gyms that I went to, were, I had wonderful experiences and I bought t-shirts from them and I'll definitely support them. I was like, hey, if you're going, you know, to, if you're going to Orlando, hey, make sure you drop in at this gym because, you know, the community is really strong and like the people are awesome and uh, yeah, they have like great equipment and all that stuff. And yeah. I, I feel like that kind of, Fitness the, the fitness community and like that's how it should be where, you know, if you if you want to train and work hard and like, you're more than welcome to show up and, and drop in. Yeah. I'm honestly, Darren, I'm, a, I'm, I'm honestly a little envious of what you've got going on. And uh, I, I probably want to pick your brain at some point on how you put it all together with the-, with the Man, I'll tell you right now, man, I started out, um, I started out with this building. I rented this building and I said to the guys that were building it, can I move in? And they said, yeah, you can rent it. And they said, but it's not finished. And I said, I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna move in. There was no PowerPoints, there was no power. So I lived upstairs on the on the um, floor with no carpet on an army stretcher for three months. And um, then I used uh, external power to put lights on and I showered in the gym shower and then I'd come in the morning and pretend as if I just arrived at everybody else and there I was um, living in this facility and creating a jiu-jitsu academy, a gym and then later came my studio where I teach kids how to uh, make films, the podcast, um, the gym, uh, yoga, all this stuff. I did that by just um, 
pure grit, you know, and yeah, you man, did I did it. it because the best thing about the, what I love about myself is that um, I'm I'm comfortable with nothing, and you know, yeah. I think that's um, it's a huge thing that if you don't if you don't have it, look for it, and look look for. Uh, I think we started off, Mark, talking way earlier in this in this conversation about being comfortable, uncomfortable. You know, um, yeah. you know. I think a lot of people will do things if they're comfortable. But I've always, I, I thrive being uncomfortable. So when I built my gym, I've, and this is not the first gym I've slept in slept in before. Let me tell you that. I had I had a gym up the road in a, in, a, in, a, in another um, in another state, and um, I slept in the attic, and then I built the gym that way. So the reason why I have this awesome setup is because I've slept on the floor. That's my point. Yeah, that's the uh, that's going to be when you create your um, your online course on how to build the gym, sleep in the attic. Yeah. Steel power from somewhere else. Yeah. Well, like, there's, there's, there's a lot of aptitude from that, too. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, like, uh, one one of my favorite, like, athletes recently, um, I don't know if you know who Ryan Fisher uh, is. No, uh, enlighten me. He, uh, he has his own podcast now. It's called Real Chalk. But, um, so he was a great athlete before he started into CrossFit, but um, he was, like, on the U.S. bobsled team. Um, he had like all the degrees, like he had uh, exercise, a uh, master's in exercise science and a master's in nutrition. And he couldn't find a job in California. He moved out from New Jersey to California. And um, when CrossFit became really big, he's like, this wow. is what I'm gonna start doing. And he was basically living in his car, sleeping on like a friend's couch, stealing food from Whole Foods on his pursuit to make it to the CrossFit games. And um, you know, he was, he was like this no-name person beating all these like games-level athletes uh, while still living in his car and sleeping. That. Like he didn't have I his own shoes, he had bar shoes from, and like he was just killing it. And um, he, like he, after that, he uh, obviously got a sponsorship after like his first um, regionals, and like people started giving him money, he started making you know money for himself, and got like you know some food and everything. But he was still like pretty much mm. homeless, basically. And like refused to go back home, and like even though his mom was like begging him to, and um, he op he has he now has like one of the world's like best CrossFit gyms, um, CrossFit Chalk in California, and uh, I forget where where it's at, San Diego or where is it? I think it's uh, Santa Barbara, okay. maybe Santa Barbara. But um, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, he's like there's a couple of YouTube videos where like. He, uh, he says in like in his podcast um like people don't know the whole story like they always remember his um, 2013 regional um, regional performance where he was getting no reps on an event it was like he had a deadlift like 315 for like 20 reps and he's only five foot five so like the range of motion is very sure. short for him but he at the time like he had like a 600 pound deadlift so like 315 is nothing for him you know he can deadlifted properly and he was getting no reps and um, he all he wanted to do was qualify for the games he had to be top three and you know after no rep after no rep after no rep he looked at the judge he's like I'm gonna fucking kill you if you keep no rep no no repping me wow. he kind of like blew up 
and that kind of it kind of caught like it cost him his CrossFit career, but people didn't know the whole story. Like they didn't know he was homeless. They didn't know like this was the only thing that he was going for. Like this was like basically his sole purpose. And then you know after that, obviously things turned around for him, and he you know he uh, you know started personal training people, and he met one of the founders of uh, MySpace. Or one of the yeah wow. one of the owners of MySpace, and like he gave him like a like a million dollar loan to open up a gym, and now ha he now he runs like one of the most like successful gyms. But he like he slept in his car for years. That's he slept awesome. on a couch for years. Yeah. And, like he's a really like down to earth person. Like you know I'd love to you know talk to him and like I almost went down to Waterpalooza wow. just to meet him, but um he's like he's like one of the one of the more recent like. Unbelievable. What do you guys yeah. think of this notion? I think athletes that have come from nothing have an unfair advantage. I, unfair advantage? I think uh, that, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think that so people that come from nothing yeah. have the advantage of of wanting it more than the people that come mm -hmm. from privilege. Yeah, as a notion. Not not as a rule, yeah. just you as a notion. Hunger. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, I think that like you just have the hunger and you, you, you want, strive like, it, for it more. You definitely want it. More. You yeah. appreciate it yeah. more too. Because when you're get, when yeah. you're given it on a silver platter, if you're born into the into like the the fitness family and you have a family that's done this forever, I think it's easy to get lost in just saying, well, you know, I like, I got this in the bag. Like, I don't need to work that much mm -hmm. harder. It's like oh, you know, like if you like, it it would have been so easy. Like if we go back to Fraser, like it would have been so easy for him to be like, you know, both my parents are Olympians. I'm going to be an Olympian. He's like, no, like yeah. that's yeah, not I like. It. I think his mom like put it to him like, no, that's not that's not how it works. Like, you need to work your ass off to get to there. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it would have been so easy for me. He's like, oh, my mom was a swimmer. Like I, I would have been. Yeah. I'm going to be a great swimmer. He's like, yeah. my dad put it. She's like, no, if I ever have to wake you up for practice, that would be the last time you ever swim. Yeah. Like that. Wow. You know that notion like. You need to work hard for it. And like, um, I'll you know I'll tell you another quick story. Like, you know, my freshman year of high school down here, I didn't qualify for states, and I made excuses for myself. Like, oh, all the athletes were older than me. All the athletes were taller than me. And on my way home, like my dad stopped the car and he's like, he's like, no, you didn't make the states because you didn't work hard enough. It's like you you're gonna start making excuses for the rest of your life. Like you're gonna start saying like they're whiter than you. It's like is that is that the excuse you're gonna have? I'm like, well that doesn't make any sense to me. So I was like, no, like I can't write an excuse. So like at that point I was like, all right, well you're absolutely right. I didn't work hard enough to make states. So like now I need to bust my ass even more to want it. And like he's like, don't make excuses for yourself. Like you're not gonna like no one's gonna pity you. Like you're gonna have to work your ass off to show people what you're worth. So that that's always stuck with me. You know mm -hmm. that that car ride. Um, it was only like half an hour, but it's still like it's stuck with me for it's gonna stick with me forever. And yeah, like you know, when I have kids, I'm gonna tell them that. That's you know, really that story. powerful. Yeah. Um, Grandpa turned around and yeah. said that I should stop making yeah. excuses for myself. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, guys. It's really, yeah, yeah. It's really a tense moment in my life. So. I think you guys. Are, I think you guys are doing a good thing. Um, you know, reaching out yeah. and and getting it and getting these type of conversations done um, far out. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Mark, I've known you for, for what do we know each other now? Three years. I think three years. Yeah, and I've watched you like really progress. I, I literally, 
I don't even remember how we ended up meeting each other, but we met each other online. Mm -hmm. And I know that you and I both were really into Gary Vee, but you really just took, you took everything that Gary said and you just applied it. Applied I've it, always said, it, I hope it. Gary Vee doesn't um, see this, but I've always said I was Gary Vee before Gary Vee was Gary Vee. <laughs> he taught me. He, did, he taught me very little, man. But he taught me nothing. But obviously, yeah. he is. Yeah. A, it's a phenomenal guy. But um, what he did for me, I always. I'm a huge believer. If you go to a seminar and learn nothing, that means you're on the right track. Do you see that? Like, if you yeah. if you go to Anthony Robbins seminar and yeah. you're like, I knew all that, then you're good. So when Gary V when Gary V talks, yeah, I think, yeah. yep, I'm doing all of that. I know all of that. I don't. I don't what talk as much that? as he does, but um, I love Gary V 100. percent There's nothing about Gary V I don't like. Uh, and there's a few other people that I yeah. follow, obviously, um, and most of them. You know what, guys? Most of most of the guys that I follow are from America. I don't know what you motherfuckers yeah. are drinking over there, but you know you. <laughs> A lot of fucking <laughs> <on over>. <laughs> <laughs> We've got plenty of sharks here motivating. too. You know, you guys are pushing limits. Um, yeah. I, I absolutely, and you guys, you two, you two have got such a dynamic, dynamic uh, kind of uh, duo going on. Um, I, I just, um, I think you guys have got a, you guys have got a huge it, thing going on here. I, you know, it's, it's funny that you say that. If you go to a seminar or if you watch someone like Gary Vee and you realize that nothing that he's saying is anything new, um, that you're on the right track, for me... Um, it's reinsuring. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, the it's word. Like that's it the validates word. that yeah. you're on. That's yeah. what it is. And I think, I think that's hard for some people because Mark just said earlier that you can be really critical of yourself sometimes, or a lot of times. Uh, I think it's hard to see how much you are on the right path sometimes until you see someone else doing the exact same thing and succeeding right. on a much bigger level. So for you, for you, it's, it's like for you and myself, like this has been something that I've been telling myself and something I've been telling people is that if someone, if people have been complimenting you about a particular thing for years, it must be true. No matter, no matter how much you think that maybe they're just blowing smoke up your butt or maybe they're just trying to be nice, it must be true in some degree. The fact that you're succeeding in something um, probably means that if you just keep going down this path, because I mean, the, the, the reason why I'm so amazed with what you've done with your media work is because you and I kind of started in, in, in about the yeah, same like time that. frame. Yeah, yeah, you're true. With pretty much the same, pretty much the same equipment, and, and you just ran with it. And for me, there was a lot of self-doubt there um, that that got me, that got in the way of my progress, um, and. It was. It wasn't. It really wasn't until recently where I when I thought, okay, I've been doing this yes. for years, and and people somehow keep saying people in back in Los Angeles, that's where I originally came from, keep saying they look at my stuff and they go, you're doing amazing things, like congratulations, and I'm over here looking at my life, living it, and going, yeah, what am right. I doing? Yeah. So it's, it's sometimes it's hard to be in the midst of it and recognize just the good that you're doing. And so for, like, it, it helps to kind of see someone like a Gary Vee to validate or uh, what did you say, to reaffirm? Re reaffirm, like, reassure, yeah. Reassure you that you are doing exactly uh, that, 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 that very right yeah, thing. Yeah, man, it's like uh, people say to me, oh. have you seen Gary Vee? And, and Josh, as, as you guys have met, uh, you know Josh, right? Josh just laughs. Josh laughs and says, yeah. this guy is fucking Gary Vee, you know? 
um, obviously not on the scale because Gary Vee's got millions and millions and millions of dollars yeah. and infrastructure and all the rest of it. But what what Josh means by that is mm. uh, we live the lifestyle, and the lifestyle's not pr- the lifestyle's not pretty. Yeah. Um, no, if there's okay. anything that if yeah. anyone's listening, and when we do when we publish this thing, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all this thing, when we if there's anything that that I can say to people is that you've got to be willing to get dirty. You've got to be willing to stay dirty. You've got to be willing to get outside your comfort zone. You've got to be willing to stay outside your comfort zone. I, yeah, I live outside I my comfort zone. I can see my comfort zone, but I live outside it. Yeah. yeah. Like nothing I ever achieved was inside 100%. my comfort zone. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Outside of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's one thing that I, one thing that was taught very early on is that in order for you to create the life that you, that you imagine, you have to, you have, so whenever, whenever a rocket has to leave Earth and go into space and go into orbit, it needs to reach a certain um, terminal velocity that it has to escape Earth's gravity. And trying to escape the gravity of your old life requires you to, to create a lot of massive, massive action, a lot of massive momentum that's gonna push you outside of what you're normally comfortable with. And that's the same experience as like, when you, when you take a rocket out in space, you're away from the warmth of the planet that you're used to. The land, the Mark, air, you gotta slow the gravity, down, you gotta slow down, brother. I know things. about lifting weights. I don't know about no fucking rockets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, it, the thing is like, like when you like when you take it to like lifting weights for example like for me it was like okay I, I just right. deadlifted 450 maybe wow, I yeah, could do yeah. 475 maybe I'll break my back I don't know I will never know unless I try mm-hmm. and so if when it comes to, to trying or pushing anything outside of your boundaries you have to push far beyond yeah, what you're normally it. comfortable with like you said you slept you slept in the attic, you slept in, in the gym, you slept in whatever space that you had and you, you pulled together all of these resources and things to create the thing that you have now. And for me, for me, right. I didn't know that story. I didn't know that that's how you got this building that you have and I've seen it in videos and photos and all of these things and I've seen you do the things that you do. And it's easy for me to think, oh, this guy has just, you know, has had sort of a charming life where he got into bodybuilding, he got all this acclaim, people already knew right. him, he had a name. He did jujitsu. It was a natural transition for people to go. Oh, he's doing jujitsu. Let's follow him. Do that too. Yeah. And then now he's doing media. Let's follow Darren. Do do the media thing. Um, he made a, a zombie movie. Um, um, like casted all these people. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like I think like it's easy to see that and go. Oh, he just has like. Well, I feel like people always see the highlights you of your life. There you go. Yeah. And, like that's what. Unfortunately, that that's what social media is like. They they just show like the highlights. They never see like the failures in real life. Yeah. Like, like you know, a lot of people don't know. Like I was when I got injured, I I was really depressed. It took me a long slump to get out of that. Like yeah. when I, you know, when I stopped being a police officer, I was really depressed. Like I, it took a lot of people close to me to get me out of that. Yeah. Like there are certain things in your life that they, they the world doesn't see. And then like you tell these stories, like it's like you know. You, you said like, you know, if you saw me swimming, you would be like, oh, he, you know, Mark, Mark's a great athlete. He's like, literally, did you know, like, I was a right. shitty practice swimmer. Like, I, I sucked at practice, but if you put me in the meet or if you put me in the competition, I was lights out. I was a totally different athlete. And like, just people didn't understand that. I get that 100%. So, I really love what you just said yeah, because yeah, it leads me yeah, on to say this yeah, next thing. Yeah. The, people only see the highlights of our life because that's all we show. 
And people yeah. love, absolutely love, and this is why I became a filmmaker, Mark. If you're, if you're thinking about asking me a question of why I got into media and filmmaking, it's this. I loved behind the scenes as a kid. I used to watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. And I, and I didn't Same. give a fuck yeah. about the movie. I would wait till the end of the VCR and I would watch the behind the scenes when they take their mask off and they do their outtakes. People love behind the scenes. People love, and this is why they love, this is why vlogs are fucking massive. Do you guys watch Casey Neistat? Mm-hmm. Right, so yeah. Casey Neistat, Gary yeah. V, um, all these people are showing the, the ups and the downs. And people, yeah, people, people love real. Yeah. People love real, and that's why vlogs and YouTube are killing fucking mainstream media. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So like, uh, I feel like, you know, we've had like some really real conversations here now. Yeah. So like, this is this is awesome content. And like, you know, you shared your life story with us, and like, I shared my life story. You shared your life story. Yeah. So yeah. like. Like I said, like it all circles back to like if this can help somebody else, like that's all that matters. So like, this is awesome. It's part of I think it's honestly part of the legacy of, of me wanting to do this, and, and I, I come from a very similar place with doing media. For me, it's like photos are highlights. People have asked me, and I, I've been struggling to find an answer for why did I transition into film, and I did that because. Um, like it tells, you, it tells, more of a story. it tells more of a story, and you can go into yeah. the behind the scenes. Um, and like you, I loved, there was, a, there was a show on Discovery Channel, I think it was called Movie Magic, where they would show the behind the scenes of how they created the, oh, yeah. uh, they created the, um, like when they showed how in, in Independence Day, they, um, the, they showed like the, the model of Washington right. DC, and it was like on a wall. And in order for the flames to look as realistic as it was, like cascading through the city when that wow, big wow, explosion wow. hits from from the ship, like they showed like it like the, the flame like rising up, and that and they, they shot it from like a downward angle, and that's why it looks so 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 good. So things like that really kind of uh, um, really kind of spoke to me and made me want to go and show that much of everything as well, and and, and that's why like. I want to be able to show people and, and, and have these conversations to say that Darren didn't come from an enchanted life. Yeah. He came from a certain kind of background and he had to work his, like, regardless of your background, you still have to work your butt off. Um, I just started watching um, this show called F1 wow. Drive to Survive and it's easy to see the world of F1 racing as this super glamorous thing, because it is. Mm-hmm. But um, Lewis Hal- Hamilton, who's been like the, one of the most preeminent guys, I actually just showed Mark a video yeah. with him on, on uh, Real Sports with Brian Gumbel. Um, and Lewis Hamilton like, grew up in poverty in England and his dad worked four jobs to support his, support his karting yeah. career to get up to the point where he's now the preeminent driver for Mercedes. Yeah. And his brother had cerebral, cerebral palsy and was living in the shadow of Lewis Hamilton. And is, and, but he developed a sense for being able to great, be, become a great video game player and has now become, like for a guy with cerebral palsy, to have his own racing career. So it's, see, yeah. it's that stuff that really like opens up the, the story to every individual person's life. And, and also in realizing that no matter what you think your excuse is as a, as a beginner fitness person, 
oh, you yeah. can become whatever it is that you strive Beautiful. for as long as you're willing to put in the work. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, that story hit me in the feels because I had a kid. I taught um, I yeah. taught him how to swim. Uh, Where you going, man? Uh, cerebral palsy, and I think I was like 16. <laughs> He's fixing the camera. <laughs> oh, I just got. I'm, I'm producing too. So. <laughs> So uh, I had a kid who had a CP, uh, Mikey, and um, you know he he wasn't walking really well. He had like a like a walking stroller kind of thing. He was like about four or five, and uh, I worked with him every day in between practices uh, like during the summer. And um, so like my practices in the summer were two hours in the morning, had like a short window of a break, and then two hours at night, plus like weight training and all that stuff. So four hours a day, you know, every day in the summer except for like Sunday. And I worked with this kid for an hour every day in between. And um, but you know, by the end of the summer, like the kid could walk on his own without like walker or crutches or anything like that. And I I cried because like you know he's like look Mark like look because he never saw himself with limits. He never saw himself with disability. And like I never treated him like he had one. So like you know if I told him it was like hey you need a kick, he's like We're, I'm gonna go with you step by step to kick all the way down the pool. And he's like, okay, and like I, you know, I make jokes with it as like, you know, you're kicking faster than me, even though I was already at a natural level. It was like, I just play games with him and stuff like that, and um, you know, he, you know, started getting competitive with me, and like I kind of like got him to, you know, lighten up and really like have fun with it. And then by the end of the summer, he, he was like, hey, look, Mark, look at what I can do, and he's like yeah, walking around his crutches, and I'm like. Dude, like that's like probably the most beautiful thing I've seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah just like it's a tears. And he's like, "Why are you crying?" I'm like, "I'm not crying. So I got chlorine in my eyes. It's fine. It's fine." And uh, you know, he's uh, he's now playing baseball now. So which is uh, like he's, fuck, how old is he now? He's got to be in high school now. Yeah, yeah. it's that's what it's yeah. all about, man. That's yeah, what it's all like. About. He's playing baseball out now in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can, you know, you can be. Once upon a time, derelict who had aspirations to 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 be to make something of yourself in, in this life. You can be like a guy who has a chip on your shoulder. You can be just like some some nerdy kid. And I think all of this just gives you an opportunity, fitness, and just just seeing consistency and willingness to put in the work and willingness to be uncomfortable and uncomfortable in uncomfortable situations. You can become something greater. And I just I I, I really. Like part of this is just if I could tell myself, my 16-year-old self, that if you just decide now to become something greater and put in the work, you will.